It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. This is The Edge with Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Yo, what up, folks? Welcome into another edition of your favorite show, The Edge, here on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. A good show on tap today, as we usually do. 30 minutes from now, Dave Koken, smoking Koken, is going to be with us. We're going to talk a lot about golf, Major League Baseball. A lot of stuff with smoking coke. He's going to be with Mr. Baseball, more. Dave Koken, but he's also one of the hottest golf handicappers on the planet. So, did he, what he, did he get something in the uh, Valero? No, I don't no. think so. Oh, okay. But he was hot before that. He was. He was hot uh, like a cigarette. Hot like the Kansas Jayhawks were in a hot second half last night. Ooh, because boy. man, did it not look good at halftime. I was not happy at halftime, and uh, I had to pull out the desperate reverse jinx attempts. Oh no, you have done this many times before. But the final score, seventy-two to sixty-nine. Kansas ultimately pulls it <laughs> off uh, and wins. Does not cover, which was brilliant for the Edge crew last night. Um, what were the reverse jinx attempts? They were down by 15 points, 40 to 25 at the break. I, test, I texted uh, two of my uh, buddies who are Kansas fans. You know one of them. Sandman? And, uh, yeah, and I said, uh, does Kansas hang banners for second place? NCAA <laughs> finalist. A la the Indianapolis he, Colts. He sent me back the middle finger uh, emoji. And uh, some few choice words, but it worked. And he, he texted me after the game and said, thanks for the reverse jinx. I mean, that, that did not look good at all. 40-25 at halftime. Jayhawks could not have played worse. And uh, things completely reversed after the half. But Kansas has kind of been a second-half team this year. I, I was thinking at halftime about the Kansas-K-State game. 
in the regular season when I think Kansas was down 50 to 36 at halftime and uh, came back to win the game in Manhattan. But man, last night, what a turnaround that was uh, for the Jayhawks, who uh, closed most spots four-point favorites, won the game 72-69, and uh, the game stayed under the total. But the key for you and I, uh, we had Kansas Futures. Yep. 18 and 20 to 1 is what I had. And I know a lot of other people had Kansas Futures as well. And uh, instead of hedging it, I had somebody text me last night and say, nice hedge. I was like, it's not a hedge. It's a metal shot. Yep. Uh, took a metal shot on Carolina plus four and a half, trying to win both bets. And we got there. And uh, I feel like it was the right way to play it. And we got a little lucky at the end, too, because Kansas couldn't inbound the ball and stepped out of bounds. And uh, that guaranteed it was going to stay under the four and a half. But uh, – Really, that was the right side. The dog and the points was the right side in that yes, game. Yes, yeah, it absolutely was. So uh, there's a lot to get to. Uh, a lot comes out of this. First off, though, you talk about futures. Uh, did you give out a ticket? What was this that you sent in? Did you give somebody a ticket over at the Vison Golf Tournament? Oh, I tournament? forgot about that, yeah. yeah. Uh, look, that was sent to us on Twitter yeah. today. Let's throw that up there. Uh, Todd won this uh, prize at the Vison Invitational Golf Tournament in August. And... Uh, what is that? A forty dollar? How much it, is that? It's fourteen at fifty dollars. So uh, to win seven hundred bucks, a fifty dollar bet. I, I pay for this out of my own pocket. Bill eighty and the V-Sing guys don't give me money to fund the tournament, so I just I paid for that. Really? Yeah. Fifty dollars, a fourteen to one. Todd cashes that uh, Kansas futures ticket. I give away prizes at the V-Sing Invitational Golf Tournament in Prim Valley, and some of them are futures bets yeah. like this, closest to the pin, longest drive. Uh, things like that. It's a variety of prizes. Usually have about 10 to 15 prizes, but one of the futures tickets was Kansas. I'll be honest with you. I bet this Kansas 14 to 1 at the Westgate for myself. And then when I was driving around town, I found 18 to 1 and 20 to 1 at two other <laughs> yeah. spots. So I kept those bets, and I gave away this one at the golf tournament. Nice. And well, and to read the tweet, too, from Todd, yeah. uh, going to the Beeson Golf Tournament pays, here's what turned out to be a winning NCAA <laughs> future ticket that the Kentucky fan didn't want, so you gave it to me. So somebody turned the ticket down, huh? Yeah, there were some Kentucky fans at the tournament. They flew in from, uh, I think, Ohio or West Virginia. Maybe Kentucky. I don't know. Uh, but – they didn't want the Kansas future. They rejected it. We don't want this. Do you have another prize? We don't so want I gave him this. a different prize. I said, who wants the Kansas ticket? Yeah. And Todd uh, took it, and uh, he tweeted that out today. So smart move by him. Congratulations, Todd. Congratulations. Now, from an actual gameplay standpoint yesterday uh, and what transpired in the second half, so what did you see? Because I think the first thing that initially sticks out is, like, in the first half, Kansas couldn't hit a layup to save their life. But, like, in the second mm -hmm. half, really – the transition offense for Kansas was so much better because they were getting stops, actually. They're yeah. getting stops. They're pulling down rebounds. They're out there running. The turnovers that they were forcing, too. I was amazed by the poor guard play for North Carolina. I know. Because you're talking there was a there was a sequence in the second half where did Remy Martin hit a three in the corner. North Carolina comes back down and immediately turns the ball over the second they get into the front court. Right. It leads to another breakaway dunk for Kansas. But the transition offense just looked night and day first half from Kansas. No, you, you're correct. I was going to say the same thing. The first half, I couldn't understand what Kansas was doing. A lot of times, Jayhawks were walking the ball up the floor. Yep. Uh, they were Jaywalkers. <laughs> <laughs> they were walking the ball up the floor. They finally started to get out and transition in the second half, and things uh, worked a lot better offensively. I also <laughs> think that uh, the Carolina guards wore down a little bit in the second half. Uh, some of those shots that were dropping in the first half weren't dropped. We talk about yeah. shooting regression all the time, right? <laughs> Kansas red hot from three on Saturday against Villanova. Couldn't buy a shot in the first half. 
uh, last night. And also, I thought David McCormick came up huge late in the game with a couple of big buckets in the lane. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And to your point, too, like the last one, just the North Carolina's play overall, um, second half, it looked like their legs like disappeared. Like we're talking about like floaters that were barely grazing the front of the rim. Yeah. Shots that oh, yeah. weren't even close in any way whatsoever. And the big thing, too, to give Kansas some credit, um, they were getting killed on some of those pin downs for uh, who's the big, a manic. They were getting killed. Like they were running pin mm-hmm. downs for him for wide open three point shots. Right. They weren't even covering them. They weren't switching on those. They adjusted on that. They would switch off of those. Like I, I thought the second half, like Bill Self, I think deserves some credit because the game plan for them to change defensively, and you saw it. I think they only gave up like two, but and this is just you know uh, by my visual, two open threes mm-hmm. in that second half compared to what they were giving up in the first half. Self deserves some credit for the turnaround, and he deserves credit for the final play. Right, if the kid doesn't step out of bounds, that was a brilliantly drawn up play that would have given him a streak down the sideline. Yeah, but at the same time, you just need to inbound that ball and you're going to win the game. Right. I'm saying just inbound the ball because right. if yeah, you yeah. just get it into a guy and he catches it, he's going to be fouled. You're going to win the game. You're up three. Uh, so I was a little bit conflicted on that one. But anyway, uh, with Kansas winning and the futures cashing and Carolina yep. cashing plus four and a half, I'd like to say I have no complaints, JVT. None. You even hit. By the way, you were texting me. You went in-game on North Carolina, too, at a pretty I did, good I point, right? In-game Carolina, plus seven and a half. Everything was going well for you. So everything was working out well. And, and you had, had Ochai uh, Baji, right? I did not. Most outstanding players, no? Doug Kazarian did, though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A robbery was reported in New Orleans last this night. This was ridiculous. Let's get to it. Most outstanding player voting at the Final Four, Ochai Abaji for Kansas, 33 points, five rebounds, 7-11 from three-point range. These are the two games, too, by the way, for people who are wondering. Right, two game totals. You can see the graphic up there on the screen, but I'll read it off. David McCormick, the big man for the Jayhawks, 40 points, 19 rebounds, 17 of 27 for the field. Christian Brown, 22 points, 15 rebounds. Remy Martin, 17 points, 5-9 from three. Abaji won most outstanding player. He was three for eight from the free throw line in the title game. Again, he scored fewer points. Seven fewer points, had 14 fewer rebounds than McCormick. And, oh, by the way, McCormick made the two jumpers to win the game last night, including the go-ahead shot with 121 to go and then the jumper in the lane with 22 seconds to go. And the explanation from some people was, and I bet McCormick at 50 to 1 to win most outstanding player. So that's a bad beat. It is. And uh, I'm not happy about it. I guess everything can't go your way, but – uh, McCormick should have won MOP last night. And I thought, okay, well, if the votes were turned in with two minutes to go in the game, which is sometimes the case with the Super Bowl MVP, it's explainable, right? Because a lot of these people had to vote. That was before McCormick hit the two big shots at the end. Whatever. Well, apparently all the votes didn't have to be in by the two-minute mark. Uh, Matt Norlander covers uh, college hoops for what, is it CBS? Yes. He tweeted out, quote, I am baffled. I didn't talk to anyone who voted for Abaji. That's McCormick's award. Really strange. And then if you look to the, at the replies to that tweet from uh, guys like Seth Davis and uh, Mike DeCourcy, nobody thought Abaji should have been MVP. Right. MOP. I agree. You and I were texting about it How yesterday. How is it not McCormick? Well, you and I were texting about it yesterday. For me, the three guys that were potentially going to win it in order were going to be McCormick, uh, I thought Brian actually had a pretty interesting case, just given the fact that he was a big part right. of that big run that they went on. Had a case. All those guys had a case. Remy Martin's right. only scored three points in Saturday's right. game, so. But second yeah. half, like you get you get voters who are prisoner of the moment. We'll see Remy Martin what he did defensively and offensively in that game yesterday in the great. second half, and was like, oh, okay, maybe Martin. At no point 
that I think it was Oshie Baji, who, by the way, and you put it in the graphic there, went three of eight from the free throw line of the game and had one stretch where he gets fouled on a three-point shot, hits one of those free throws, and went one of five on back-to-back possessions right. when he got to the free throw line. That's your MOP. Yep. I, I was I was amazed by that. I, I was honestly – but it also – it's a good lesson in, like, it comes to, like, Super Bowl MVP or Finals MVP. Sometimes I, – I hate to say this because I, I don't mean to be mean, but some people are stupid, and they will just go with the name that they recognize. And sometimes I think people who cover these, and you can speak to this too – don't know what they're watching sometimes. Oh, that's true. Right? There's, <laughs> like, a, there's a lot of mainstream media people who are idiots. Who get votes for some yeah. reason. Yeah. I mean, that's that's just the way it is. And uh, that's not going to change. But actually, I think that's why networks like VSIN should be appealing to a lot, a lot of people. We don't have morons like that uh, working here. <laughs> but it, it really is, uh, if you look at the big picture, it's got to be McCormick's award, and I think the NCAA yep. needs to show some transparency on the voting here. I, I, I would like to know what the vote count was. Can we get a vote count? If uh, the guys who were covering the event last night, and there are some really sharp guys in the mainstream media too. I don't want to wreck everybody, but uh, talking about Matt Norlander and Seth Davis and Mike DeCorsi and the guys who were uh, replying to his tweet, if they don't know who voted for Abaji, who did? Can we get some transparency from the NCAA on how the voting turned out? Because uh, – you know, it's same with Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. This stuff's being bet on, and uh, there needs to be some integrity behind it, right? Yes, I would agree. You, like Anything voted on, you should reveal the ballots. NBA does it with all of their awards. You, you can see who voted for who, specifically right. like the, per, the person in their ballot. Uh, it should be for everything, even in some of these games and championship games. So, uh, I agree. I think that's tough for you. That sucks because McCormick should have won that thing. Um, anybody, I think, actually, other than about you should have won that thing at this point. All right. Uh, we will come back. We have plenty left to get to here on the edge, including baseball. We have a look ahead against the, to a season that starts on Thursday, the Masters, and, of course, the NBA. It's a big slate today. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. Opening day in the opening round of the Masters, they're on Thursday. So this first week of April is going to be jam-packed with betting intel from our experts. We're going to have breakdowns of every golfer in the field plus beach of future bets and matchups from the Long Shots crew, Brady Cannon, Wes Reynolds, and Matt Humans. Check out the podcast. Check out the Masters betting guide, which is out as well. Sign up today. Get full access to VSIN through the start of baseball season on Thursday. Masters and, of course, the NFL draft comes up at the end of this month for only $19 at vcin.com slash spring. Spring is in the year. You know the, he's got uh, spring in his step. The Long Day. Shot show is going to be taped right after our show today. Okay. And uh, Brady, Wes, and I have uh, Scott Van Pelt from ESPN as a special guest. And you're all wearing green, I assume, of some form. Of- I have a green shirt on today. Those guys have green jackets. Yes, they do. I don't have a green jacket. Would you buy one? I feel like you I wouldn't would wear one. I would not. I feel like the mentality is you didn't win one, so why would you wear it's one? It's a major stretch for me to even have a green shirt. I mean, how many green shirts do you have in your closet? One. That's it. Yep. This, is, this is the only one I have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, so then look for that later today as uh, they will be recording that. So uh, we'll get more baseball, too, with Dave Koken, but it's worth uh, – we're going through our divisions and um, worth focusing on, I think – the NL East for a brief moment because we do have some news coming out of a team that was near the top in terms of the odds, win total, and that would be the New York Mets. So we know that, and we talked about this the other day, Matt, that Jacob deGrom is going to be out for a while with this injury. And uh, it looks like it's going to stretch past a month here, mm-hmm. and we'll see whenever he makes his way back. Because you're talking about, I think it's four weeks for the injury to heal, and then you're talking about working your way up and ramping it up. And So we'll see exactly how long that's going to take for the Mets. And you've seen the adjustment. Uh, the win total now, National League East to Mets second, uh, 88 and a half. At one point, that was in the range of 90 and a half yep. for the New York Metropolitans. Well, it's not just Jacob deGrom. No, it, no, it is Max that. Scherzer, uh, who is now, quote, hoping to make his Mets debut in the second game of the season. Uh, we will see if that's actually going to happen. Because, again, with these injuries, it's a long season. And sometimes um, – you want to be a little bit more cautious than anything at the beginning of the year, and especially mm-hmm. after a shortened spring training, right, where these right. guys aren't getting the run that they usually have. But discomfort in his leg, a, quote, hiccup in the hamstring, as they're calling it. So we'll see if Scherzer's even going to be available early well, on. Well, I think that's going to be a big concern. Obviously, DeGrom's a bigger concern, but Scherzer at his age, with all the mm-hmm. mileage he's got on him, and don't forget, he had uh, some issues 
late last season with the Dodgers too. Yep. Didn't he say at the end of the season he had a dead arm? Yeah. He was. Uh, he's. It, there's something along those lines. Yes. So the Mets are hoping they can get one or two really good seasons out of Mad Max. Uh, don't know how much gas he's got left in the tank, but you open the season with concerns about DeGrom and Scherzer, and that's why that win total is dropping a little bit. And uh, I agree with the move. If if you had played the Mets under, what, what was the initial total, 90 and a half? 90 or? and a half. Some spots had 91 and yeah. a half as well. I think that's a good bet under. Yep. And, like, so if you talk about two – like this, the way this roster, or excuse me, this rotation breaks down now, right? Because a guy like, uh, and we talked about him a lot last year because there was a point where Tyler McGill had been really dominant for this team, and he, and right. he looked like he had some really good stuff, and it, it does seem like you can kind of get away in certain spots with a dude like McGill at the top of your rotation. For those who don't remember, last year, 452 RA, but a 392 expected fielding independent over 89 and two-thirds innings. Had some really decent numbers across the board. Had some issues with some home runs, but still, like a, a quality guy that you'd have as like your third. But you get past that, and you're talking about Chris Bassett, who now comes over, who last year was a little iffy. His ERA was fine, but if you looked at the underlying numbers, probably getting away with some stuff, uh, and expected fielding independent just around four, so you expect some regression there, right. and you wonder how this rotation holds up, because like you like spots. I, I don't know, but I don't want to speak for you, but like I like spots of this lineup, but at the same time, I think once you get past Pete Alonso, I think there's a stark drop-off drop on this team in terms of their projected starting lineup. Yeah, I would agree with that, too. And, you know, the Mets are similar to the Angels in a lot of ways. That mm-hmm. A lot of things, when they look good on paper, start to fall apart once the season starts. And uh, it's, it's a team's kind of snake bit by bad luck. And that's an intangible when you handicap it. But, again, you got to be careful when you're betting teams like the Mets or the Angels over their win totals. And uh, I know that you're tempted to bet the Angels over. Haven't done uh, it. I did bet a win total, though. By the way. I'm tempted to bet the Angels over. I, I like the way this team looks quite a bit. But, you know, <laughs> if using history as a guide, it's not a wise wager. No. And uh, I'll just go ahead and uh, stay away from that one. I, I wish I'd played the Mets under 90 and a half or 91 because I, I, I do think that's a pretty good bet. You know, yesterday we had Matt Vasgersian on. He said he likes the Phillies a lot mm-hmm. in this division. I've heard some people refer to the Phillies as uh, a slow-pitch softball team where they're just going to knock – home runs out of the yard, uh, but they're not really a well-put-together baseball team. I, I don't have a strong opinion on that either way, but uh, the Phillies at 86-and-a-half, I would think they got a reasonable shot to get over that number. Oh, yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, like when you're talking, it's like focusing on the lineup for sure. When the top of it – I mean, the top of it seems like it's going to be really good. Schwarber, Real Muto, uh, Harper, Castellanos. I mean, you know, even after that, Reese Hoskins there. Uh, it's great. I, I mean, it's going to be a, a fantastic a loaded, lineup. loaded lineup. And I, I actually – who was it that was on with us who said that uh, Kyle Schwarber to win the home run title uh, was probably a, a decent bet at, what, 50 to 1 odds or something yeah. like that? I, yeah, I don't remember who, but yeah, we, we did talk about that with somebody who was on. Was it um, uh, Will? Was it Will Hill? It was Will yeah, Hill. Yeah, it was Will Hill. Yeah, Will Hill, the VSIN handicapper on with us. And uh, I like that suggestion, too, because remember that Terry Schwarber, that power tear he went on last uh, summer? That's the type of guy I think. Uh, as a left-handed bat in that park could do a lot of damage for the Phillies. So I kind of like that bet if you're looking for a long shot. Kyle Schwarber to win the home run title. If you find 50-1, to 1, you might be able to find better. The Marlins pitching staff, extremely intriguing. Awesome. Just loaded uh, with big-time young arms. And I think going back to the Phillies really quickly, um, I, I think a lot of this hinges on what you're getting out of Aaron Nola. Because Nola was one of those guys that statistically last year – 
the underlying numbers, it just didn't make sense. Like you should have gotten more out of Aaron Nola. Right. He had a 437 ERA, excuse me, 463 ERA over 182 thirds. Um, but expected fielding independent and his FIP actually uh, were identical. 337, so more on the range of a very much a, an upside, like a top two guy in your rotation. And like the walks were down. It's like the home runs were that were astounding. So I would expect right? Because Nola's kind of been in line with his numbers each of the last three years, that if you get that turnaround from Nola, then the top of your rotation is Wheeler, uh, it's Nola, and then that's where you kind of get into some of the questions. What do you get out of Kyle Gibson after a relative, you know, a projected to be a pretty poor year for Kyle Gibson? Some uh-huh. spots project him to have an ERA of nearly five. You know, I, I can understand that. But if Nola starts to show like he did last year, then the Phillies got a problem because these are going to be some high-scoring affairs that they're going to have to work their way out of. And your lineup's great, but you can only do so much. Yeah, you still have to have pitching to win. I don't. I don't care how good your lineup looks. Take a look at some of these Yankees teams in recent years. Lineup looks great. Yep. If you don't have the pitching, it's not going to come together for your baseball team. So yesterday we talked. Uh, we've been doing division previews. Yesterday we talked about the American League West. I wanted to uh, go back to that division, circle back quickly mm-hmm. on something there with. Uh, the Oakland A's, I think this is uh, sad what's happening with the A's. Matt Vaskersian talked about it on the show a little bit yesterday. John Heyman had this tweet, and uh, Heyman covers baseball for MLB Network. <clears throat> the A's had the highest payroll in baseball in 1991. It was $33 million that year. The A's payroll this year, $33 million. Look at that. Pretty bad. That is pathetic. It's, Especially when you've had a competitive team for the last few seasons. They've been very competitive. It's Moneyball, yep. JVT. It's Moneyball. And uh, the A's obviously exploring a move to uh, Vegas. That's a good-looking graphic there, too, by the way. But uh, it's great. not going to be a good-looking baseball team in Oakland. They're, they're playing in a sewer pit of a stadium, and now they have uh, expectations to match it uh, this season. Corey Seager, who got a free agent deal, uh, from the Rangers to go to move from LA mm-hmm. is making more money this season than the entire A's payroll. <laughs> Corey Seager's got 37 million this year. The entire A's payroll is 33 million. Yep. <laughs> what, do you, what do you expect from the Rangers? They spent a lot of money. They're trying to make a bold move. They they bring Seager over from LA. Do you think the Rangers are a distant third in that division? Talking about the Angels and the and the Mariners being the second and third dogs in that race? Yeah, I think so. I just I don't know what you're I mean, I don't know what you're getting out of this pitching staff. I, I think it's a if you're talking about like I thought big picture, what they did in terms of the middle infield, I think it's pretty good actually, because you're starting to set yourself up because obviously Simeon and Seeger are going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. So as you move forward now and you start to bring up some young talent or you can acquire some pitching in the free agent market in the next few off seasons, you have those guys around for long enough and they're at a good enough age where if you're coming around in like two seasons, I think they're still going to be pretty good. But this year, I mean, when you look at the projections, there is not a single, and these are just projections. So you, you never know guys can perform outperform their projections, but their starting rotation, John Gray, Martin Perez, Dane Dunning, Taylor Hearn, Spencer Howard, the best projected ERA amongst those is John Gray at 426. That's that's not a good, <laughs> not good. it's not yeah. a good projected starting rotation yeah. in any way whatsoever. And I, I do wonder because I'm not good with models. I do wonder like projections are obviously based off of previous seasons. So you wonder how much of Gray's numbers are based off of pitching in Colorado and sure. maybe pitching somewhere else would help him. But I think at the same time, like it's just going to be hard for this team, even with an improved offense, which is still not going to be that good. It's very top heavy. How much better they're actually going to be. So. I think they got a, about a year or two to go. Astros, odds-on favorites to win that division, but I do think the gap is closed. Angels should give them a run for the money this season. I got a conspiracy theory. What's that? I think the uh, the seeds of discord have started to be sown between the Angels uh, franchise and Mike Trout. 
Is that right? I think so. About playing center field? Center, playing center field. He was quoted the other day saying as he was surprised, taken aback by the Upton DFA. He had to meet with Joe Madden and talk about the move. Uh, I'm just yeah. saying. How many games has Trout played the last two years? I, I mean, well, there was one shortened season, but last year I, I think know. it was 52. He missed, he missed a <laughs> bunch of games last year. Just saying. Um, just I know, I know. He's still... One of the top three players in baseball, if not the best. Hey, Dave Koken, smoking Koken up next. He's got an MVP long shot bet in the American League Central. He's got a futures bet, huh? All right, let's discuss this when we come back. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. All right, let's do it. Dave Koken, nice enough to give us some time today here on The Edge. We've got a lot to get to. We've got baseball, and we have Masters conversations to be had. But, Dave, I wanted to start with baseball because uh, there was quite the tease when we went out. A long-shot MVP candidate in Major League Baseball. You have the floor, sir. Can you present this to us? Yeah, uh, I like Byron Buxton. Uh, no, I know. By no means do I think he's the favorite, <clears throat> but he's not priced as the favorite either. He's 35-1. to 1. His numbers – when he was on the field last year, were absolutely insane. They were as good as anybody's in baseball. And I'm betting that he can stay healthy for a year. And if he does, I think he's going to be one of the top five players in the American League. So at 35 to 1, I got 35 to 1. I'm seeing 30 to 1 on the screen. I think that's worth a shot. Um, you know, I mean, Otani's clearly the favorite. But do you want to bet, what, 3 to 1 or 4 to 1, whatever he is? That's just a stupid bet. Uh, if you're going to take a shot at one of these, take somebody who's north of 25 to 1. And I think at 30 or better, Buxton's worth a shot. All right. Smoking coconut on Byron Buxton of the Twins to win MVP in the AL at 35 to 1. Dave, uh, aside from win totals, did you make any other futures bets on baseball? I know you're not uh, big on futures typically. No, I, I don't I don't think there's any value on them. The only ones that are worth taking on, on in terms of value would be real long shots and I don't have any faith in them. And even the real long shots are priced uh, too cheap. You know, that goes back to the old days, 20, 25 years ago, whatever it was, on the uh, Minnesota Twins, where the Twins won it all, and there were some massive prices on them that cost some books a lot of money. And since that time, the books have cut the prices on those types of futures where, to me, they're just not worth betting. All right, hey, since you're talking about the Twins, let's take a quick look and uh, preview that division, the AL Central. And, uh, Dave, do you believe the White Sox are a cut above everyone else? Uh, how do you uh, handicap the AL Central? I'll say they're a cut above, but that's it. I mean, last year they were two or three cuts above. Mm-hmm. This year, maybe it's just slightly above. I'm not sold in their starting pitching. And one thing that you might factor in with the White Sox Look, they murder lefties, absolutely crush lefties. But by my count, there are only two lefty starters in the entire AL Central that they'll be facing on a regular basis. So you know, they're not as good against righties. And I think the rest of the division, with the exception of Cleveland, has improved. Kansas City's a little better. I think there's still a ways to go for them. But the Twins are, are I think, definitely better than they were a year ago. And I've expressed on basically every show I've done, and I think the Tigers are going to be a pretty good baseball team this year. So I think that the White Sox win, but I don't think it's a runaway, and I would not be shocked if the Tigers top. 
Yeah, you, Dave, you, you talked about the Tigers on here before. Can we focus on the Twins real quick? Because you mentioned it. The, to me, I'm really intrigued by this team because it's not only the addition of Correa in that lineup, but what it could be. Sonny Gray now part of this staff as well. Like yeah. Behind him, I don't know if there's much, but how much does the starting pitching hold them back? That That's, I think, the worry. Uh, I do like teams that are strong up the middle, and I like their catcher. Um, the middle infield with Polanco and Correa is very strong, and Buxman, obviously, I like a lot. Um and that's good offensively and defensively. So I think they're going to be okay, but I don't know if they can jump all the way back to 90 or so wins, which is what it would take to make them uh, a playoff team. I do think they've, they've, the number on them is 81 and a half. I think that's a good number. I, I think they'll be a winning team this year, but just not enough to uh, invest in them. All right, the White Sox won that division last uh, year with 93 wins, 13 games ahead of the second-place Indians, who are now uh, the Guardians. And uh, the Twins were 20 games back in last with uh, a 73-89 and 89, uh, record. We, we talked about Dave Koken's uh, top MLB win totals on uh, last week's show. Those went out in the VSN email. Uh, how do you see the Masters from your point of view at this point? I think you like Scotty Scheffler, and I think you like uh, Joaquin Neiman. Uh, those are two of your guys, right? I think that's it. Uh, I don't go real deep with with uh, win bets. You know, I know a lot of guys like to splash and play six or eight or ten. And, and you know, to me, it, I'm I'm trying to hit a home run uh, when I go go with the golf. I'm off a tough, tough finish last week. Matt Kuchar, uh, I had him at better than ninety to one. I think he was as high as one twenty-five to one, and ends up second. Those those are tough. Uh, but I, I, Scheffler, to me, is playing the best golf on the planet right now, and I, I want him. Neiman is the guy who I think has the ability to win majors, and he's priced in the neighborhood where I think he's worth a shot. You know, you get 50 or 60 to 1 on a guy with these capabilities. Uh, I, I like those odds. The one thing I don't like at the Masters is I don't like playing guys who have not played there before. It's a very difficult course, and I think knowing the course is important, so I Plus, you know, Burns and Homa, guys like that, um, they don't have master's experience, so I didn't want to play them. And and the others just didn't appeal enough to uh, take a sh- chance with. I know Tiger's going to get some action, but not from me. Yeah, that's the thing. But I don't like to play first-timers at Augusta either. Uh, a few weeks ago on the show, Dave, I mentioned I played Cameron Smith at 41-1. to 1. His odds are now down in the teens. Yeah. And I wouldn't recommend him at this price. You said you really didn't like him on this course. He's getting a lot of play here. He's uh, he's made five master starts. He's got a second, a fifth, yeah. and a tenth. Uh, why don't you like Cameron Smith at this course? It's weird, but uh, coming in, he's coming off a, a terrific win, but his, he was terrible off the tee in that tournament. Mm-hmm. And if you're not accurate off the tee at the Masters, you're in trouble. And I'm a little worried about that aspect of his game right now because I mean, he was out of his mind with his short game in the tournament he won a couple of weeks ago. Tough to duplicate that. I, he's still in the hunt. I mean, the guy's he's a top 10 player. So he's certainly not going to be a shocker uh, if, if he contends seriously to win. But I like guys who are hitting it accurately off the tee, and that, that aspect of his game worries me. Hey, Dave, going circling back to Tiger really quickly, what are your expectations for him this weekend? Not much. Yeah. Not much. I, I think if, he, uh, if he's playing on Sunday – uh, they'll have the cameras on him because he's Tiger. But if he's on the leaderboard, I'll be shocked. 
But yeah. it, it is Tiger, so, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I, I think he's going to, you know, initially I thought it was probably to miss the cut. I had Tiger like 55, 45 to miss the cut. Now I'm kind of uh, – I actually think he's got a better shot to make the cut. After what I've seen and what I've heard other players talk about in his practice rounds this week, by the way, Tiger is 21 for 21 and made cuts at Augusta. Uh, so he knows his way around this course like it's his backyard. Right now, here are the Tiger Woods props at Circus Sports. To make the cut, Tiger, no, minus 145. Yes, plus 125. Uh, a top 20 finish, yes, pays plus 335. To tee off in the event, yes, minus 800. I, I actually laid minus 300 with that uh, two days ago. I thought he was a great nice. bet to tee off in the event mm-hmm. on Thursday. Not going to lay 800, but I did lay 300 on that. Finish position, uh, 57 and a half. If he's around for the weekend, that's going to be under, and that's uh, minus 110. It's, uh, the cut at Augusta is top 45 in ties, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first-round score for Tiger, 74 and a half uh, right there. So, Dave... I think uh, he's got a decent shot to make the cut and stick around for the weekend. But to me, that would be a successful tournament for Tiger. I think you agree. Yeah, I do. And I, I think he's got a good chance to be under that 74 and a half in the first round. He's got to be really fired up and fresh. Now, whether he can maintain it, um, that I think would be questionable. So I might be looking to get a good round out of him to start, but maybe not so good after that. I, I, I just can't see him being able to string four good rounds together. He's been off too long. So you've got Scheffler. When you look at the top of the board, now Scheffler's uh, the hottest player on the planet right now. Yeah. Uh, do you like DJ? Do you like uh, Kepka? Do you like JT? Any other of the guys up there among the favorites did you consider playing? Yeah, Justin Thomas. Uh, not at the price. Um, if it's going to be in that neighborhood, I'd rather have the guy who's really on fire. JT's close. I mean, he's really close. I, but... Yeah, he still hasn't really put it together. The one who's the most, he's the scariest one to me is Rory McIlroy. I know he's just not hitting his irons well, but man, at some point he's got to start hitting them straight again. And when he does, he could go crazy because the rest of his game is fine. It's just the the, the approach shots. I, I don't know what his problem is, and apparently neither does he. Well, Dave, I think you had a full head of hair the last time Rory won a major. It's been a while, and but certainly the motivation has got to be there because he's just—he's not even in the number one conversation right now. And the other guy who worries me is—is is anybody, anybody who's not worried about him. If you haven't bet on him, Victor Hovland is always a concern. Yep, that's true. Yeah. I think 2014 is that right? The last time Rory won a major. Wow, I think it might wow. be it. Yeah, way back. Uh, Dave, good to talk to you, man. Thank you very much for the time. Appreciate it. Okay, guys, good luck this weekend. You got Thanks. it, Dave Coken. Smoking Coken. As he is lovingly referred to. Always great to have Mr. Baseball, who's also Mr. Golf this year on the show, Smoking Coke. This is going to be great, huh? You're getting more into this? What's that? Opening day. Dude. First round of the match. get past the NCAA Final Four, <laughs> handicap the Masters, and I can start to think about baseball a little bit more. You're into it. I can tell. You're into it. All right. We'll come back. We have uh, best bets. Hey, it's a big card in the NBA. I uh, got a couple on the card and best bets to go to. And um, we have our Masters bets to add to as well. It's coming up next. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. 
This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. Best Bets brought to you by Zinn. Are you ready for a fresh start? A real fresh start with lasting change. Take the Zinn 10 Challenge. Switch up the way you've been enjoying nicotine. Available in a variety of tastes and strengths. Zinn nicotine pouches deliver smoke-free and spit-free nicotine satisfaction. Try Zinn nicotine pouches for 10 days or your money back. Your fresh start is here. Take the Zinn 10 Challenge today. ZYN.com slash 10. The ZYN.com slash 10. Zinn nicotine pouches only for adults 21 or older who currently use tobacco or nicotine. Warning, product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Jimmy Vicaro was just in. A couple yeah. of uh, win total bets placed here at the uh, South yeah, Great to have uh, Smoking Coconut on the show today. Mm-hmm. Jimmy V in studio with some win total bets we'll get to. Let's get to your best bets 
in the association tonight. Yes, hopefully closing out the regular season strong here. So two for today. Uh, we will start with the Toronto Raptors, who are taking on the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, interesting matchup because both teams have a lot to play for. Toronto wants to solidify their spot as, uh, I would think, the very least the fifth seed in what is a potentially good matchup for them against Philadelphia mm -hmm. 76ers and would be a good playoff series in a 4-5. Uh, up to four and a half now across the board. But when you look at Toronto, I think this is interesting for multiple aspects. Uh, one, Atlanta comes in, humans, on a pretty good run. They have covered five, they've covered five straight. Uh, seven to two straight up against the spread in their last nine games. But if you kind of dive into the teams that they have played, it hasn't been the stiffest competition. And even some of the best games that they have played or best teams, Cleveland, Memphis, Golden State, talking about a Cleveland team that's missing their full front court and Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, Golden State team we know that doesn't have Steph Curry on the floor. And Memphis, that game that they beat them, John Moran actually went down halfway through it, and they ultimately <laughs> took advantage of it. Uh, that still corrects you. The, the Grizzlies, I think, now are 19-2 and two without Ja. Is that I right? I think they're now up to 20-2 and two now. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, if you if you dive into the schedule, it hasn't been the best competition. They've kind of yeah. gotten lucky, but still, it's twenty and two. two. Twenty and two is still pretty good. <laughs> uh, and also, of the seven teams that the Hawks have beat uh, in that seven and two straight up an ATS run, only three of them have ranked seventeenth or higher in net rating. For Those sure. are the three that I just mentioned that weren't even fully mm -hmm. healthy. So, I think the Raptors here, with the potential that uh, Ananobi is going to play tonight, um, back at home after a loss to Miami, they are now still eleven and three straight up, ten to four ATS in their last fourteen games, playing really good. Um, defensively as well. They're so good in transition defense. Some of their numbers are insane. I think they'll be able to wrap up Trey Young and the Hawks, get a win in the cover here later tonight, and then we will go ugly. Uh, I'm going to take 17 and a half here with the Houston Rockets against the Brooklyn Nets, and while offensively, the Nets still have they're plenty of firepower, and they could totally cover a number like this against the Houston Rockets, but it's a Brooklyn team that is 2-6 and six against the spread in their last eight games. They only have a plus 0 0.7 net rate Brooklyn, 28-123 uh, against the Portland Trailblazers. The Rockets are now 6-3-1 against the spread in their last 10 games. They've been playing a little bit better here. They have enough offensively, and the way they play, too, just shooting threes, an analytically sound style of basketball, that I think that they have enough to stay within a really big number here. I'll take 17.5 against the Brooklyn Nets tonight. So Raptors minus 3.5, and, and um, Rockets plus 17.5 tonight. All right. <clears throat> with luck. that, um, Masters plays. Man, I'm, I'm excited. Masters is awesome. Golf betting is fun, too. Uh, Brooks Kepka at the top of the list here, 20 to 1. Uh, and it's actually like, like 2025 or plus 2025 over at Circa. These are where some of these numbers are. But um, Brooks Kepka at 20 to 1. We know about the history here. And I, I heard you talking about this, too. Like, at a price of about 20 to 1, given his history in majors and how well he can play, I think it's worth a price like this, one of the higher prices on him out there in the market. You know, it's not just uh, majors. Actually, he's got a good track record. In 2019, when Tiger won, uh, DJ and Kepka tied for second with yep. Xander Shoffley. And uh, I thought Kepka really let that tournament get away. He's 0 for 9 in majors since he won the PGA. And um, I think Kepka's due for a breakthrough. And this could be the week. I, I played Kepka twenty to one as well. Yeah, and it, when I like a lot of these guys too, I, I like like course form is really strong over at Augusta. As we've talked about a lot, and a lot of people just dive into it, go straight to that. But like Victor Hovland, you guys mentioned this, you and Koken, and I've talked to you about it before. I love watching Hovland play golf. He's really good. Yeah. He is very consistent. Gives you a baseline of play, and he's kind of become one of those guys that I enjoy watching him play to the point where I don't want to not be on the train once he eventually breaks through in one of these big <laughs> tournaments. Right. So at about twenty-two to one, Victor Hovland on there. Shane. Lowry's been playing some pretty big, uh, pretty good golf lately. 
both PGA Tour and, and other spots. I think he's been consistent. I think it's now, uh, is it four consecutive tournaments with at least a top 30 finish for Shane Lowry? Somewhere in that range. So good recent form coming in. He's a major it. winner. A major winner. And uh, um, I kind of like Lowry in this tournament, too. I, I didn't put him on my official list, but I, I saw him at around, I think, 59 to 1. Yep. And I made a small play on him. I didn't want that to be one of my official plays. But while I'm going through the uh, Circa Odds Board, and you and I were talking about this yep. on the app, Jeff Davis over there does such a great job because he's trying to squeeze a whole percentage, constantly adjusting the numbers. Sometimes you see numbers that are just too good to refuse. Yeah. I saw Shane Lowry at 59, and I'll throw a little bit on that. Not one of my favorite plays, but 59 is a very good number on him. You said it's now it's down to 43? Yeah. Okay. Yep, 43. So that's where I got it at. But even so, to your point, to expand on that, let's go down to the bottom. Uh, if I told you that you could get it, and it's only eight rounds of play, but it, his two appearances at Augusta were tied for 26, tied for 19th, and in terms of two strokes gained, you're talking about like a plus 1.52. It's Cameron Champ, and that's 575 to one. Or in some spots, he's as low as 250 to one to win this thing. Uh, so that was too good to pass up. But to add to the others really quickly, Tony Finau, top 10 Tony. Mm -hmm. I slept on this. He was 71 to one, went home, and he was 58 to one. So grab that. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood. <laughs> at 95 to one in just oh, no, not uh, Tommy Fleetwood. So uh, I will explain really quickly. Tommy Fleetwood. Um, Come on, Wes. Uh, well, uh, hey, you know what? I'll take it. Uh, 95 to one. But still, so my, you know what my relationship with Tommy Fleetwood goes back to? The uh, U.S. Open at Shinnecock, where he set that course record, <laughs> oh, yeah. and he oh, yeah. lost, right. and he lost out to Brooks Kepka. Mm -hmm. And I had him in that. I had him in that tournament. And yeah. since then, it hasn't been as dedicated a relationship as I did with Hideki Matsuyama. Mm -hmm. But still, in a lot of these majors, Fleetwood, and he has not been great. And he doesn't. He's very inconsistent. He's going to shoot like a seventy-four sometimes. Sometimes he'll get pretty ugly on some of these Saturdays, uh, but still can't pass it up at 95 to one. And you and I discussed yesterday, Justin Rose at 117 to one, I think worth it as well. Uh, yeah. I, I was talking about Rory hasn't won a major since 2014. <clears throat> and I, I hear Wes talking about all these majors. I like Rory. I like Rory. <laughs> uh, I, I got away from Rory a long time ago. I like him. He's a, he's a, I think a cool guy. He's not a clown like, uh, you know, guys like Fat Pat and Sergio. Rory's a really likable guy. He just hasn't won a major in a long time. And when you're talking about value with those odds in the yeah. teens, you can't be pouring money into a guy at the teens who doesn't win. Right. You at least know, I'm not so. doing that. But Fleetwood's at least 95 to 1. Right. Uh, so I'm with you. I played Cameron Champ. I bet him at 500 to 1. Jeff Davis didn't respect my bet, so he bumped him to 575, <laughs> and I bet him again. So I got two bets on Cameron Champ. Uh, the one thing. I look at here is uh, correlated courses. Uh, actually, uh, that was uh, Cameron Young is what I was talking. Cameron Young, the correlated courses mm -hmm. is uh, Riviera and Augusta, and Cameron Young pushed Joaquin Neiman at Riviera, and I, I found Cameron Young at 425 to one on the on the Circa site. So I played him at 425 to one. Cameron Champ at 500 and 575 to one. Uh, this is a course where you have to be a bomber. And Cameron Champ's got pure power off the tee. If you look at his rounds last year, he played three really good rounds, one bad round. If he could put four together, who knows? That's why we're talking 500 to one. Mm -hmm. But he's carded three sub-70 scores in his eight rounds at Augusta. Hey, you can find a lot worse players right. uh, than to play a guy like that at 500, 575 to one. Seamus Power, I think a young guy who's got a lot of upside at a 125 to one, Joaquin Neiman. At 87 to 1, Neiman and uh, Cameron Young were two of the guys dueling at the end at Riviera. At the top of my list here, DJ 18 to 1. 
DJ's got a lot of things going for him here, and he started to play well at the, at the match play in Austin, Texas, a couple of weeks ago. He made the semis. He beat Brooks Kepka head head to head. He did miss the cut as a defending champ last year, but if you look at his prior Masters form before the missed cut and the win he had, he posted four consecutive top tens, including second and fourth place finishes. So DJ, we know, has got the all-around game to win here, and uh, this is the ultimate horse for the course handicapping event. Brooks Kepka, I've already talked about him at 20 to one. Will Zalatoris, I played Willie Z and Cameron Smith in January at 40 to one and 41 to one. Those prices, yeah, they're, especially on Smith, are long gone. You can still find, by the way, Willie Z still up at 35 to one at DraftKings. Okay, I was uh, I was looking around for uh, Zalatoris as well. Quick matchups. Uh, I played Kepka plus 115 over Rory. I played Justin Rose minus 115 over Sergio, and. Um, Tiger Woods finished finish position under 57 and a half. He doesn't have to make the cut to finish under 57 and a half, but if he makes the cut, he's definitely going to be under that. The cut's going to be top 45 in ties. I, I'm a little bit more optimistic about Tiger's ability to go out there and compete after seeing his practice rounds uh, this week. I don't think he could do it for four days, but I think he can do it for the first two days. Yep. Uh, by the way, Zella Torres, at least over at Circa right now, 36.85. So if you're okay. still in that range, I uh, will have to save that for tomorrow, Santosa. But other than that, uh, we are all done. So look, this is going to be fantastic. And we're going to have actually throughout the first, uh, what, two rounds, we're going to have these Masters updates, too, that we're going to have to go to right. throughout the show. Right. So a lot of good Masters coverage here at the network. Make sure you stick around, too. Uh, My Guys in the Desert coming up next. And visit the website later because long shots, you guys are recording today, right? right. So we're going to have yeah. that up in the coming hours up at vcin.com. So all the Masters coverage, all the opening day coverage, and NBA postseason, which begins next week, all that and more over at vcin.com. Till then, we'll be back tomorrow with even more Masters coverage, Major League Baseball, as we continue to preview the season that is coming. Enjoy Stormy, my guys in the desert. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.